You're now listening to Sanity at the Movies. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sanity at the Movies. I'm Nathan. That's Jake. We talk about movies on the internet. Some of the only people, I think, that do that. Probably. Jake. Yo. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Dwarfs, I should say. They didn't, it does not use the Tolkienian construction of plural, oh. plural construction for dwarf, dwarves. Because that didn't exist. This movie came out before Lord of the Rings. Tolkien invented that? Yeah. Totally. He always thought it, is, it should be that, so he- He invented it, he invented people it. followed suit. Yep, kind of like we have a friends called the betting houses, and I always think that the plural of that should be, of course- Betting hoisen? Well, no. Because well, that's the German. Betting high. I think oh, betting okay. High. <laughs> I like betting high. But betting hoisen works too. <laughs> betting hoisen reminds me of Lederhosen. I guess that's because- They both end in hoisen. German. Hoisen. Uh, no, one's hoisen and one's hoisen. One's pants and the other is house. I can't, I can't uh, hear any difference. Yeah, well, you know, you don't have an ear for German, I guess. Stein elf. I can't even, don't have a mouth for German either. Stone elf. Stone elf, is that what I just said? Yeah. Well, speaking of elves, this movie is full of a race of creatures that are much like elves. They're dwarves. I or, think some I, people might beg to differ with that. I mean, I, I think Gimli might beg to differ with that. Actual little people might big to <laughs> differ with that i guess <laughs> listen folks we're talking about we should actually this is our first time talking about any of this in front of the paywall so we should tell people what the heck we're doing we're doing disney princesses this year right jake that's right nathan from that's star wars from star wars to disney princesses our two favorite genres yep star wars and disney princesses yeah is ray a disney princess is leia a disney princess i'm sure people have asked that on the internet before is I'm leia sure a disney princess have. she really should be uh was she in wreck it ralph with all the dress down sweatpants wearing nope disney princesses don't think so well well maybe she was there were stormtroopers weren't there yeah probably i don't know i've never seen any uh wrecks it ralph movies first one was really good yeah that's what i hear i hear it's great and maybe i'll watch it is it on disney plus probably probably is well, maybe I'll watch it sometime, but there wouldn't be a wreck at Ralph. It keeps steering us back and then steering us away like a drunk boat steering guy. What, what do you call those guys? Pilot? Boat sure. pilot? What do you yeah. call Captain? Ship's captain. Ship's captain. There you go. Who's at the wheel of a boat, generally? I mean, bosun? depends on what kind of boat you're talking What's about. What's a bosun do? A bosun? B-O-S-U-N. What does that guy do? I don't know. I've... Jake. He's looking it up, gonna tell us what a bosun does. officer in charge of equipment and crew. Oh, okay. Well, maybe he, like, the captain's dead or something. He'll jump on there and... I don't know. The point is, this will be my least elegant swerve back into the topic. We are doing Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and we are also doing Disney Princesses. We're gonna do all 12 of the canonical, official Disney Princess movies. Yep. Right? So right. I don't have the list right in front of me, but you'd have Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, the classics, like from our era, from mm-hmm. our day, not because you and I were both born in the 40s, apparently, are <laughs> uh, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. No, sorry. Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. And then actually from our day, Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid. Beauty and the Beast, of course, and the titular Jasmine. Beauty. Jasmine, of course. Probably Pocahontas and Mulan. Pocahontas and Mulan are both on there, pretty sure. Yay, we get to watch Pocahontas. Actually, I shouldn't be sarcastic. I know the internet hates Pocahontas. I think I might like it. We'll find out. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Is that the one that you're looking the least forward to, you think? Yes. I would say Pocahontas is the one I'm least looking forward to. I mean, it's obnoxiously politically correct, but the animation's beautiful and- I just never liked that movie. Kamel Gibson. 
Everybody's favorite actor. See John Smith? He plays John Smith, yeah. Weird. She listens with her heart, and then she can understand a different language. She can paint with all the voices of the wind, so why couldn't she? Fun fact, me and Jake are actually speaking different languages right now. But you, if you can understand us, if it doesn't just sound sound, sound like Steinalf, it's because <laughs> you're listening with your heart. That's a little compliment to all of our listeners. Folks, I'm on a medical fast today, so it <laughs> <laughs> might be affecting my podcasting performance a little bit. I just actually broke the medical fast because I found out that the doctor's appointment needed to be rescheduled after going a whole day without food or caffeine. I also found out in retrospect that I could have had black coffee, which would have helped a lot. Mm. But I broke the fast with a Coke Zero, which is always a good thing to put in your system. Yeah. Absolutely nothing bad about a Coke Zero. And I'll tell you who else is a zero is that queen trying to <laughs> kill Snow White. You man, you got us right back in there. <laughs> yep, I'm the master of the transitions. Listen, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Jake, do you remember this one from your childhood? Do you, I guess, do we need to do anything else? So every month we're going to, I should say, I'm sorry. This is, we'll, we'll get on track here, folks. But every month we're going to do a Disney princess. We, we usually do about two episodes of Sanity a month every other week or so. So we're going to do one Disney princess per month, right, Jake? That's right. And then the other slot will be reserved for... Anything that's maybe in theaters that's exciting or fun. Like we might end up doing, what's the Marvel slate for the next year? Mm. You know, Black Widow. Precisely. Something like that. We may do some of these uh, movies that have a live action counterpart like Cinderella. Right. If there's nothing interesting going on that... We might do that sort of thing as well. Or we may find, here's the non-Disney version of this fairy tale. Yeah. We could watch, uh, what's his face? Uh... Jacques Cousteau's uh, Beauty and the Beast, which the is Jacques Cousteau, not Jacques Cousteau's. Uh, what's the Cocteau? What's his? Uh, I'm going to look it up, folks, so that you can be impressed by my French. By my French, yes. Like <laughs> we were what... impressed by your German. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Jean Cocteau's sublime adaptation of Beauty and the Beast is an old movie, La Belle et la Bête. I just want to say that I would totally watch. Jacques Cousteau's Beauty and the Beast. Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) She's a pretty girl swimming, I guess. (laughs) Um, Probably exists. You know what? Jacques Cousteau's Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's actually kind of like Jacques Cousteau's Beauty Beauty and the Beast. Beast. Because there's that really famous thing where the blonde lady goes for a swim and the old creature, that that scoundrel, he's kind of creeping on Mm. the lady in the Black Mm. Lagoon. That's why you don't go swimming in Black Lagoons. Black Lagoons, especially if you're a buxom blonde. Yeah. And speaking, there's not no bucks and blondes in this. <laughs> there's really no blondes. No. Speaking of swimming. Yes. Snow White almost goes for a swim when she falls down in the forest of despair. Yeah, but she like catches a tree limb or something. She catches in a very cool and exciting sequence that would have been very newfangled and just awesome. And it's actually still it's probably still pretty good. visually the coolest part of the movie, I would say. Yeah. I think it was neat to see her singing into the well, too. Yes, the water effects. There's a shot shot later where the stream is just going past the dwarf's house. Dwarfs. I'm sorry. I'm going to get that right, folks, because these are not Tolkienian. As a matter of fact, I have an excerpt from some a letter that C.S. Lewis wrote talking about his love for Snow White, and I'm saying that sarcastically. He didn't like it. Apparently, I'm sorry, this podcast is all over the place, but we will get it on track here. Apparently, Tolkien and Lewis went on a buddy date to see Snow White together. Whoa. And they both hated it. And I just think that that's super fun to think like the Jake and Nathan of their times went and saw, I I don't know. I just like to imagine these two classical educated at the best school scholars being sitting there, being surrounded by 
snot-nosed kids enjoying this movie and they're both these bachelor dudes just making fun of how terrible it is and how it doesn't connect with the old fairy tale and we'll get to it i'll I'll, I'll read the letter here but you're saying about the well the well's cool i think the well's cool yeah there's a lot of actually which you'll notice surprised me i just found it surprising i don't i still don't know how they did it i assume it was it's like an effect with glass or something like that i didn't bother looking it up but it's really neat and it's they didn't have computers lest we forget i do not know how she does end up in the water oh and she falls yeah that's right because her hair's wet and that's another kind of cool effect well, let's talk about it in a slightly more linear fashion. What do you remember about this movie? Did you like this one growing up? Did you own this one on like a, one of those Snapcase VHSs? You know, I don't know if up? we owned it, but I'm sure on, I don't know. You know, I just don't know. We had, I think, almost every Disney movie one way or another, whether it was on a Snapcase VHS or... Maybe you should actually tell us a little bit more about your history with Disney, because this is our first kind of, well, you could argue doing the Star Wars, we've been doing Disney the whole time. Some nerd out there will say that. But this is our first foray into what people think of as Disney. So yeah. classic Disney. So what's your history with, with Disney? You said you owned most everything one way or another. Yeah, I mean, there were movies that we had that were like, oh, dad went to Blockbuster or whatever, the family video or whatever, and busted out his... Uh, uh, Credit card? Gun? Was your dad a robber? Did your dad rob Blockbuster or family video? No, no. What do you call those things that we used to have? Blockbuster card? That you could record the camcorders. Oh, a camcorder? A VCR? Not the VCR. So there was a way that you could make copies of tapes by using those great big shoulder-mounted camcorders. So you're just like filming the TV or you're... No, you hook it up to the VCR. Yep, yep, yep. And then you can... So you have like an audio video in Mm -hmm. to your camcorder. And then you start recording on your camcorder from the audio video in. Just as if you're recording a TV program off Just as if you're, yeah. yeah. And then you hit play on the VCR and then you've got a pristine copy. Mm -hmm. We had a number of movies that were that way. Jake's dad, the the film pirate. That's right. How many thousands of dollars did he steal from Walt Disney? If only the FBI knew. Yeah, well, there's like a $50,000 fine as they never ceased to tell us at the beginning of those (laughs) stupid... (laughs) And then we did have a bunch of movies in those snap cases too. Mm-hmm. I think he only did those with like the ones that were like hard to find or that you couldn't get. I don't think he was too licentious with it, but it was, we're going to have to rent this if ever we're going to watch it because you can't go buy it mm-hmm. because Disney keeps it in a vault. Then we're just going to make a copy of it. Yeah. Disney has always been interesting about their product to this day where they charge, well, Disney plus may be changing this all, all this if they don't jack up the prices. But which maybe Disney Plus is just getting us all on bo- on the hook before they make it fourteen ninety nine a month. But with the Marvel movies going at nineteen dollars a pop or twenty four for a Blu Ray, and them only releasing things out of the vault and it never really getting it hitting the Walmart bar- bargain bin, you know they they keep the product low enough. Or I don't know what they do exactly. Maybe they just set the price point. But they make all their movies into premier movies, and they never yeah do they never leave that. Uh, the other thing that I want to say is that I definitely remember, I'm pretty sure I remember going and seeing Snow White in theaters. Oh, really? That's cool. You know, Disney would often re-release their classics back into theaters mm-hmm. over over the years. Disney, I, I guess, I was reading about this today, kind of pioneered this, and the reason they did it was because he really needed a cash, what's the word, inflow? Mm-hmm. What, what's, influx. Influx, yeah, he needed a cash influx during the war. 
World War II. And so they re-released Snow White, actually, and they made a whole bunch of money. And Snow White, when you put all when you put together all the re-releases, it's one of the most profitable movies of all time because they've been doing this ever since. But Disney realized, oh, I've got all these library titles that I can actually make total bank with. Yeah, and especially when the theater really couldn't be replaced right as the premier way to watch something what you're gonna watch the wide world of disney in black and white on your little mm-hmm. dippy 13 inch 13 inch gigantic TV. tv yeah yeah like that is not the same thing as going and seeing snow white in color in theaters right and so uh, disney did a lot of that sort of thing and i remember a couple of things i remember i remember seeing i'm pretty sure bambi what i really remember is uh the toys the happy meal toys mm-hmm. So Disney, whenever they did their re-releases, would do a fresh marketing campaign with all of the toys and stuff like that, Happy Meal toys and things. So Mm -hmm. I remember Bambi toys, and I remember Snow White toys from Happy Meals and stuff like that. Yeah, that's fascinating. I've got a vague memory of dwarf toys now, I think. I can also say that I was three years old when that happened. When Snow White was re-released? And I saw it in theater, would have seen it in theaters, yeah. There you go. Jake's got a great recall of his early years, folks. It was out again in 1993, but for reasons, I know that it was the 1987 one. There so. you go. That's really cool. Disney kind of tried to keep doing that when they when home video really hit the market in the 80s. Like They would say, it's going back into the artificial vault now. It's not going to be available. You yeah. better get it on video. And they still do that. Disney Plus is the start of a new paradigm. It'll be interesting to see whether they cycle things back into the vault. They may well... Start doing that just to create demand. Oh, Aladdin's going back in the vault. You know, a lot of the movies that they have pulled out of the vault and remastered, they've changed the aspect ratio on them. But a lot of the movies that you watch at Disney Plus, they've they've not done that. Right, which is great. They should not mess with the aspect ratio. And I think that they know mostly better these days they certainly have yeah. been raked over the coals for releasing the simpsons the original simpsons things in the wrong i saw that aspect ratio the internet was not happy and they have promised to fix that fix that eventually and it, it is bad like there's so much information shaved off of the simpsons i tried to watch an episode and there was like obvious jokes that you knew Are you weren't screen. getting like it's off screen oh something funny must be happening yeah above where i can't see it's like it's not even good there's a way to do that mastering and go through and carefully make sure it captures the essential information just mm-hmm. what they used to do in the good like home video releases back when we had to do the non-letter box you know spielberg would actually be involved in making sure that you the camera was just panning across the letter box and something like raiders of the lost ark so it's kind of a cheesy not we were all used to it growing up it doesn't really work it kind of ruins the original intention but at least you get the essential what you need information if indiana jones is not going to be punching some guy half off screen we'll just computer pan over to see him yep so yeah do you remember anything specific about snow white as far as i remember liking the dwarves yeah that's exactly what i remember i remember owning this movie in the snap case and having kind of a dual reaction to it a bifurcated reaction i remember obviously thinking it was lame because it was one of the girl ones Mm -hmm. and featuring a girl and so it obviously wasn't as cool as aladdin or the lion king which would have been the two really cool ones yeah I mean, the fact was, I mean, we watched a lot of movies, but we watched a lot of the same movies over and Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again growing up. And so this was one of those movies that was like not going to be as cool as The Lion King or Aladdin Mm -hmm. or even The Little Mermaid. 
those are the movies that we just watched over and over and over and over again. Were we sitting down to family dinner? We were going to watch Aladdin mm-hmm. or The Lion King, probably. Or maybe, I mean, it was more than that, but mm-hmm. I mean, it was a lot of that. But were we going to go back and watch Snow White? Uh, no, not really. We weren't going to be committed to that diversity. Yeah, we, I remember feeling the same way, but we weren't allowed to own Aladdin because it, the, the hero was a thief. And so it was bad, naughty, I guess. But we had the Lion King, which we completely wore out. I don't know if we actually ever had the Little Mermaid. I think as boys, our family was, all the kids were boys. So there was nobody. We were all boys too. Be interested in the Little Mermaid, maybe. I don't know. I always liked the Little Mermaid. I still do. But although I, I actually haven't seen it since I was a kid, I'll be interested to revisit that one, see if it holds up. But I remember Snow White got a lot of rotation in spite of the fact that we ostensibly didn't like it. And I think it was the dwarfs. And I remember I have distinct actual memories of sitting in our little kitchen in our in the 11th floor of Tulip Tree Apartments and laughing my head off at, you know, Dopey swallowing the soap or something like that. Yeah. That stuff all Dopey was the best. Played like gangbusters for kids. You know, mm-hmm. when when Dopey's on one side of the door and they're all on the other side of the door and they think there's a hobgoblin in the house or yep. whatever. And Grumpy. I mean everybody loves obviously Dopey's the best, but Grumpy's pretty he's a close second. He's a yeah. close second. When she kisses him and you realize that yep. he actually likes her and then he rams into a tree because he's, he's on cloud nine. He's on cloud nine and then some things hit him in the head. It's <laughs> it's hilarious. <Pretty> funny. <laughs> Well, and the thing I, I was reading up on this movie a little bit today, Walt Disney obviously was known and popular for those shorts, you know, the Merry Melodies, and not Merry Melodies, Um, that's uh, Looney Tunes. That's, he was they a had ga- a name very similar to that. Silly Symphonies. Yeah, Silly Symphonies, Symphonies, that's it. He, you know, he was popular for Mickey Mouse stuff. And so approaching Snow White, he said, we need to make this about the dwarves and we need to, I'm just going to say dwarves because that's what, that's what I'm used to. Thanks, Tolkien. And we need to string together as many gags as possible. And we needed much going on because, I mean, he was very conscious and you can see it in the movie. I think that this is a pretty thin story and the yeah. the pull here isn't the story. The thing that's going to make this movie work for everybody is all the stuff happening to the side. Another thing that's worth noting is they really cannibalized a lot of those Silly Symphony mm-hmm. uh, gags. Yeah. The whole sequence where Snow White is going through, uh, the huntsman is like, run, run. And mm-hmm. she goes through and she sees the owls in the thing and the you know the branches are reaching out to get her. Great sequence, yeah. Logs are crocodiles. All of that is a ripoff of uh, one of those Silly Symphonies cartoons. And I know that because shout out to our friend... Maya, she went through and cataloged. Yes, she's been doing a bit of a Disney watch through. Yeah, and is doing a watch through. And so for a minute, I was like, oh, it might be fun to just sort of, because these shorts are like, you know, anywhere from two to five to maybe 10 minutes at the max. Mm -hmm. So before we watched, like we have a Friday movie night most weeks. And so before we would watch our movie night for, for a while, we were, oh, let's just watch one of these old shorts and mm-hmm. let's see how they play and let's like because we watched a lot of these as kids we just you know they happen to be on for whatever reason although was your experience the same as mine which is disney because of their draconian vault practices and stuff actually wasn't nearly as ubiquitous as looney Tunes. oh no like, way yeah there's no way that they were anywhere close as ubiquitous as looney tunes there are warner brothers owned bugs bunny cartoons that, that i have memorized you know a duck season rabbit season all that stuff i could probably quote those things and i haven't seen them for 
a decade, right? Just because they were everywhere. But yeah, the Disney, Disney wasn't stuff like was that. harder to access yeah. for sure. You had to get a video or the Disney Channel was something you had to pay right. extra for, or the Disney Channel, which right. I didn't have, and I don't think I had a lot of friends that had. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I had it either because it was usually bundled with things like HBO or right. something like that. But anyhow, I, I, my point is they cannibalized a lot of those ideas, the best ideas, mm-hmm. and just reused them in Snow White. So it wouldn't have been the first time that a kid maybe necessarily saw that idea on screen. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think that makes sense. I mean. The fun thing about watching those shorts, and if you haven't, if you want to give yourself a film education and you haven't, you should at least watch Steamboat Willie, which is the famous, famous yeah. one where Mickey's on the steamboat. And that is the first one with post synchronized sound, which just means it's a sound short. And so they had to figure out how to add voices, how to add sound effects, how to mash things up. And man, that short goes on forever. And it's got all these creepy parts where Mickey is playing a cow or he's making all these noises. He's banging things. He's, and it's kind of boring and lame and goes on forever. And then he starts dancing and then he yep. starts banging this thing. And then he and starts, then he shows up and, and then she, they start like hitting the cow and the cow will move and it's all kind of synchronized. Well, that was awesome for people that weren't used to sound. Right. <laughs> The whole point was... The cow is mooing. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. When Mickey bangs the thing, it's just a drawing, but it bangs, it's, it makes the clanging sound that, that would happen. Yeah. So there's that. And then Three Little Pigs is a classic. Everybody knows the story. It's also, I think, the first color one, and the colors are really vibrant. It's also important for being massively successful and being part of Roosevelt's New Deal. All this stuff, all this like optimism and hard work of America at the time is exemplified in that cartoon. Like the pig that works hard is the pig that's going to get ahead and the pigs that play all day, well, they're going to be hunted by that wolf. And But you know what? If you work hard, then when the wolf comes after you, you can fill up a pot full of turpentine and do some harm. Do some actual harm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess the point, uh, the larger point I'm trying to make here is if you watch Disney movies or if you watch those Disney shorts or if you read about them from about, I guess these aren't really available now, but he started doing things in the 1920s or early 1920. I think he founded his company. And then through 37, when Snow White, you were watching the emergence of a technology. Yeah. You were watching, you know, this is like Jobs and Wozniak. This is whatever you want the to Wright compare brothers. it to the Wright brothers you were watching you know, disney figured out himself you know with collaborators when we say disney we always mean and his guys just like when we say jobs we always mean and his guys people like to argue you know like any great innovator people will argue en- endlessly whether he's a tyrant that just stole everything but we are watching people figure out so the earliest animation was kind of like the old south park style where they would just move little things around on a piece of paper you know little cutouts around on a piece of paper they just move them the big thing that disney brought was cell animation where you have a background that you draw and then you draw on the cell it means that you don't have to redraw your background every time and i think people would print things on cells but disney had the idea to have his animators actually draw on the cell and then he just came up with all these innovations, these multi-plane cameras that allowed you to have depth of field and that allowed you to have different fields of, of animation so that you can, like when you're moving through the woods, there's brambles in the front, the foreground, and they're going by at a different speed. So it all looks, yep. to the eye, it just looks like how it would look if you were going through the forest. But that's actually not, you know, you can't actually just draw that on one plane, or at least it would take a million years to make yep. all the trees and everything. So we're looking at a bunch of 
amazing technical just just having sound came in 27 and then putting on and then snow white is just putting all this together into the first feature length film and so it makes a lot of sense to return to our earlier point that he would rely on old gags that he would go with everything being as like the story is going to be as simple as possible and the gags are going to be like tested studio tested we know people laugh at this we know yep. this isn't the stuff that they kind of laugh at this is the stuff that they we have sat in a room with our notepads and noted that they really laugh to. at yep. this stuff and so we're not going to take any chances and he was taking an enormous chance i think you know the story i don't know remember exactly what the stories are but he's bankrupting his studio he's getting second mortgages on his parents' house he's doing everything he can and nobody believes that it's going to work you know it is the classic story and it really is it's not just disney you know the disney corporation loves to self-mythologize but i think in this case it's true like the, the it was the real big risk it was a big risk and the papers called it uh, disney's folly and he much like seward's folly much like seward's folly i mean i don't think we're going to do it but i thought about having us do you remember the thing we did with the empire strikes back where i played the producer and you yeah. played george Lu- like if you well here we could do it try and try and disney didn't have to pitch because he had his own company but uh, yeah. You, you want to try and pitch me Snow White here? So it's this thing called a cartoon? Oh, you mean the silly things that we show at the front of movies for kids? The little uh, things that we show with the newsreel to go about seven minutes? Kind of like that, like but you know how like kids will like come to the movies and pay to get in to just like watch that stuff and then leave and stuff? I, yes. So what if we just made one of those as a feature production and made it really cool and awesome and all the kids wanted to watch it all the time because it was that cool and they would go and it would just be kids and they would drag their parents multiple times and then during the hot summer days they would go and they would just like pay money to go sit and watch the whole thing okay this is a great idea and it's i definitely didn't just push the security button uh, on my desk but a couple things before they drag you off to the insane asylum First of all, there's a reason that those silly sympathies are seven minutes. Kids don't have the attention span for, like, it's a cartoon. Second of all, you're going to take, like, your dancing bunny rabbits and m- mice and stuff, and you're going to make no, a, a no. feature length. Who wants to see no, a story no, about no, no, that? No, no, look, uh, classic fairy tales have been entertaining children for years and years, for centuries. And what we're going to do is we're going to adapt a classic fairy tale for the screen. And we're going to tell this story like a feature length film, but it's going to be colorful and funny. And we're going to have all kinds of jokes and all kinds of fun things for kids and adults alike. And it's going to be great. Okay, first of all, I don't, feels like you're going to rob the fairy tale of a lot of its power. If you're just going to stuff it full of gags from a mouse cartoon. Uh, second of all, why don't we just do this in live action instead of taking a, let's, let's get some stars lined up. Let's just do. Because kids will think that it's way cooler and the kinds of things that we can do, like the kinds of comedy that we can have, you know, we can have animals doing things. We can have these, you know, it's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, right? Let's, let's have dwarfs and let's make them fun and dopey and cool. And let's have kids want to see their dreams come to life. They want to see the, the silver screen, bring it to life. They don't want to see drawings of all this stuff they no, actually i think they'll think they want to really see cool. clark gable no but we've prince. already proven it like kids come and they love to watch our seven minute shorts and they think it's cool and i think seven minute shorts would be the the key word here yeah but what you just argued was that they don't like cartoons and what i'm thinking is they really love the cartoons let's give them way more cartoons and in the process we can save a 
ton of money because we don't need a Clark Gable. We just draw beautiful people on the screen and we can have them voiced by cheap voice actors. So a lot of the cost is just going to be, you know, we're not going to be paying for A-list celebrities. We're not going to be paying for A-list actors. We're just going to go with drawings. We're going to give it a shot. So we're not going to have any stars or marquee value. We're just going to say, come see your drawings. Yeah. Yeah. And and you think people, people actually want to see that. They'll pay hand over. The kids will. The kids will pay hand over fist for it and they'll get their parents money you know what's it to you if it flops like this is a really smart risk for you because it's a low investment up front it's actually not a low investment know, up front. <laughs> so, <laughs> well you're actually doing a good job of being disney because i think this movie went a hundred times over its budget or something <laughs> like that he, he did actually sell it to the investors as oh yeah <laughs> But it wasn't true. This was an expensive movie to make. Yeah. Because the, of the technology, the, the animation. And... So a good, really good savvy producer that I'm playing here would actually say, uh, you mean it's going to cost a million dollars, which is worth a lot of money right now? You really think well, we're going to Well, you know, I've re- got like eight shorts right now and they're all seven minutes long. And so, and they've cost me a total of X dollars. And, you know, when you get it all together, it's not eight separate. It's one thing. It's going to be even cheaper than that, probably. You got Let me just a good thing going. Make seven more shorts and make the money from that. You can keep putting them in that. that you got a good thing they going. Why mess it up? The, think about the profit margins. Plus, okay, you've, 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 you've talked about kids. What adult is going to care about seeing an animated? Who's going to be invested in this story? I mean, we're going to watch drawings go around on a piece of paper of Snow White. Ooh, exciting, scary. First of all... You think you can pack the theater with all the kids? Fine, but... First of all, one, I think I can, during the summer months, pack the theaters with all the kids, period. Two, I think, you know, some adults kind of, you know, get a kick out of some of our seven-minute shorts and wouldn't mind seeing what we could do if we made a movie and might enjoy something like this with their kids. Three, what we want to do is create sort of a new world of family level entertainment that is focused more on the kids than on the parents. Like, think of it this way. How many movies have you wanted to take your kids to go see? I just take them to go see what I want to see. They're, they're, they're to happy they're sitting in an air conditioned theater. So happy. You're so happy with them when they're sitting beside you fiddling around and fidgeting and whatever. What if there was a movie that was designed to keep their attention from start to finish and it was also entertaining for you? Well, you get to be the hero. That's a tall order. Well, that's what I'm pitching to you. You give me the freedom to attempt. Okay. Go do your miracle and bring it in on budget and do all these crazy things all at once. And I'm sure it'll be great. Security. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's, yeah, that's how people would have thought of it then. I mean, we're going to bring our drawings to life. I don't know. I sort of get it. In fact, I'm not speaking as the producer anymore in case anyone was confused about that. I don't think that Disney had actually cracked human emotion completely. I mean, it is the love affair between Snow White and the Prince is pretty insipid. Yeah. In a way that I don't know when did what would be the first Disney movie that just really had good human characters. It's almost the equivalent of Andy in the first Toy Story where he's just not, you know, all the toys can really move just like all the little animals and dwarves. All the funny stuff is really good in this movie. Well, the very next animated release would have been Pinocchio. Yeah, and that's a terrifying journey through the id full of villains and heroes and a really sympathetic couple of humanoids and Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio himself and Geppetto. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
I don't know when we're going to get an opportunity to talk about that movie, but that might be Disney's masterpiece. As long as you don't want your kids to get any sleep. <laughs> and then after that was Fantasia. And then, yeah, and Fantasia's. And then Dumbo. And then Dumbo. And then Bambi. And somewhere in there, big strike happens. Disney loses the support of his workers and has to start cutting costs. And <sighs> things are never the same. Comes back with Cinderella in 1950. Yeah, Cinderella recoups a lot, but it's, man. Then Alice, then Peter Pan, and then we are... When Sleeping Beauty in there? Sleeping Beauty is not until 1959. So you have this run of Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, and Bambi. That's 1940 to 1942. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, you know, these little things like Three Caballeros and Song of the South and Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, these little things. And then you come back and you hit Cinderella and Alice. If anybody's wondered about that, by the way, there's a world war in there, which is right. why <laughs> he's making propaganda films. He's doing other things. He's low on funds. Let's, right. let's do the three caballeros or whatever. Yeah. So then you have, you hit 1950 and you get Cinderella, 51, Alice in Wonderland, 53, Peter Pan, 55, Lady and the Tramp, and then Sleeping Beauty in 1959, which is the triumph of the Disney film. It is my favorite. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know that it's my favorite favorite, but. I think it's not a warm movie. It is the movie. most beautifully yeah. animated. I don't, the characters aren't as good. At, like just as, but I don't know, in terms of archetype and like getting into that sort of Jungian thing. There's so much great about that yeah, movie. It's, it's pretty great. Um, I love that movie. And so that was 1959. And then 101 Dalmatians in 61, Sword in the Sun in 63. So you've got, you know, every two years, two or three years, these like, not peak Disney no, but fondly remembered, including yeah. by us, I'll wager. By and me. then you give another, you know, they hit, you know, they hit some live action stuff that really worked, like Mary Poppins in there. And then you come back with the Jungle Book in 67. And then you get the Aristocats. And then Ooh. they try to repeat Mary Poppins with Bedknobs and Bruce, mm. Broomsticks. And then you get Robin Hood in 73. I like, but we'll have to talk about. Yep. And then. Did Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh in 77, and The Rescuers in 77, Fox and the Hound in 81, Black Cauldron 85, Great Mouse Detective 86, Oliver and Company 88, and then 1989. The Renaissance begins. The Little Mermaid changes everything. Well, and just in case people really don't know, the way to sort of track that, the way to understand it is Walt Disney is innovating, he's exciting, he's awesome, he's on fire through about Dumbo. And that's when there's a big strike and he just loses his workforce or loses the respect. Disney never really had the same relationship with his with his peons. And there's a lot of history and a lot of uh, arguments as to how nice of a guy Disney actually was. Obviously, he wanted to present himself as Uncle Walt. There's some differing stories to that. But point is, somewhere in the late 40s, the war years hit slash this strike and Disney loses his mojo plus some of those movies like uh, dumbo i think didn't do that well in first run they've all made money now with all the re-releases and everything so disney becomes more of a businessman he becomes less creative and the animation takes a hit the animation's not as exciting you see every little part of the frame is alive in snow white in pinocchio in a way that it's simply not in even a big budget thing like cinderella I think Cinderella is kind of, we'll talk about it when we get there, but it's kind of the triumph of vanilla businessman, Disney, give the mm. people what they want, don't take any risks, make sure there's lots of cute mice. 
And then Sleeping Beauty is actually, I think, really the last time Walt Disney in the on the in the animation side of things tried to be an artist. I think he summoned all of his his imaginative energy and let the animators go nuts and tried to do something really interesting. I think they hired a painter. Yeah, yeah, I forget the guy's name, but yeah. they did something really interesting and it wasn't popular. And that was the end of Disney really giving a lot of his own creative energy to the animated side of things. And so the last movie, he died, I think, when Jungle Book was in production or maybe right after it. And Jungle Book's fun. Those movies are all fun. 101 Dalmatians, stuff like that. A lot of people love those movies more than anything. But that is, the animation's not as good. And Disney's not as involved himself. He's not as creatively on fire. They're just fun. Sleeping Beauty was the last fairy tale. Right. Until The Little Mermaid. They swore off fairy tales altogether. Right. Because of how Sleeping Beauty performed. And you watch something like 101 Dalmatians. It's fun for kids, but all it is is slapstick. It's just... Yeah. The aristocrats, it's just that stupid butler guy getting bricks thrown on his head. And it's slapstick. It's cool stuff. You know, it's it's the music of the time, whatever it is. It's it's very cynical. That's You alluded to the fact that you like Robin Hood and I don't like Robin Hood. And a lot of that just laziness of Disney is that it's a really fun movie that a lot of people remember fondly. And I don't want to step on it. But if you actually watch it from a what are they doing, you know, from a meta standpoint, it's pretty crummy. The animation's bad. And it's very cynical in the way that it's appropriating things that were popular in the culture then and making, you know, it just doesn't have any of the grandeur or the elegance or the creative vision of like a Snow White or a mm-hmm. Dumbo even or a Sleeping Beauty, certainly. So Disney dies. I think some of our listeners might be forgiven for not knowing this. He dies with Jungle Book. And then we go through this weird period where they're struggling. They're trying to figure out what to do. Jake named some of the things like Fox and the Hound and Black Cauldron. Yeah. Um, and then there's something called the Disney Renaissance, which I think probably a lot of our listeners will know. But And I'm sorry if this is all old news to you, certain listeners, to certain other listeners, it might not be. Disney Renaissance starts to pick up steam with things like The Great Mouse Detective and The Rescuers Down o- uh, Under, both of which are starting to use computer animation in an interesting way to cut some costs, but actually do some grand stuff. And the big fight on the bell tower in... A Great Mouse Detective and the Eagle stuff in Rescuer Down Rescue Under is really cool. Yeah. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I did one of those, but I still remember, I remember it being just like, this is awesome. Well, yeah, it was the kind of movie you wanted to see in theaters because it was like, you knew it was going to feel like jumping off a cliff. Yeah. The- yeah. When that kid does the Eagle thing, like yeah. I still remember that just being like, yeah, this was, it was cool. And then Little Mermaid, and we'll, we'll talk about these in movies individually, but with Little, Little Mermaid, the storytelling begins to grow up and then it reaches full maturation with Beauty and the Beast. And that's largely due, I think, arguably to, well, it's due to a couple people, but Howard Ashman and uh, Alan Minken, the songwriters, were pretty influential to saying like, let's take the best of how Broadway stories work. Ashman, who died of AIDS in his 40s, right as Aladdin was coming out, was arguably the genius, but behind a lot of what's great about the Disney Renaissance, you know, he pitched some of those stories and the way that they work, just the, everything that we kind of take for granted about how a quote unquote Disney film works in them, the stuff that Shrek makes fun of, but, mm-hmm. but not like the little animals, just the, the formulas, the, the, I, I mean, what I, what I want song. What Shrek likes to do is make fun of Snow White as if it's making fun of every Disney movie. Right. Exactly. Which is unfair. Yeah. Which is completely unfair. And even Snow White doesn't really deserve it. I don't think, but. I guess we should talk about it. 
But, you know, just the, the particular Broadwayization of Disney, which I love in the 90s, just the we're going to have the very clear, this is what I want. I want to be part of your world. And then we're going to play that out. And the villain's going to have a big number. And then this mm-hmm. and this. That's a uh, Ashman and Macon. And those movies are great. And then you have the post-Renaissance, which we'll talk to we'll talk about when we get to it. But I suppose we should talk more about Snow White. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What do you think about Snow White? coming to it now we actually watched it with your kids not too long ago i was surprised by how much they weren't laughing i have to say um it was interesting to me because i remember we we ended up watching it or most of it together with my kids didn't we yeah i came into the room for whatever reason yeah i was at your house and they seemed to be into it they seemed to be enjoying it in my observation yeah um i feel like i was kind of in and out with that viewing and Mm -hmm. so i wasn't really in touch with how my kids were responding Mm -hmm. to it what I was struck by was <laughs> by how striking it was. Mm-hmm. Like, how <laughs> is it? You were struck by how striking yeah, it was. Struck by how striking it was. Mm-hmm. I was struck by. Well, I just didn't. Rem- there were so many things I didn't remember, and so many aspects that I didn't remember, and so many things that didn't feel like uh, the kinds of things that I kinds of feels I associate with Disney movie. Like what? Well, they were really trying to be scary. Yeah, it is. And. Sort of Maleficent and maybe some of the modern stuff. This is one of the scarier ones. Yeah, at least that sequence. Yeah, some of those sequences are. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the soft animation style. Yeah, the, I, the, the uh, you know for me as an adult who's watched all the things mm-hmm. all the times, it's mostly only compelling as a historical. As an artifact. As an artifact. I I agree. It's not actually like, I'm so wrapped up in this story. What's going to happen? It doesn't hold up in the same way that something like Pinocchio holds up. Well, Pinocchio is going to grab you and keep you in a way that Snow White's not. But yeah, like you you were about to say, let's remember that this was completely innovative. Well, and just kind of a fun thing to think about, or maybe not so fun, depending on how you look at it. We, if we both live out a normal lifespan, will see this movie's hundredth anniversary. Fair. This movie is from a long time ago in movie, yeah. and a lot's happened since then. And you just you can't go back in time. But I think that's also some of the charm of it. Like you were saying, just the soft animation, the weird hand textured kind of yeah. Like realizing everybody that worked on this is dead. Some of their grandchildren might be dead or old, and. Mm-hmm. This is an artifact from another era, and it's pretty fascinating Yeah, by that metric in terms of the technology, in terms of the... By that metric, you don't really want to place this movie in the 30s in your mind, or at least I don't. Yeah. Where would you want to? I, I just don't think of, you know... And I, America's on the brink of world war, and yeah, you know, like this people is, are in the depression. And, this happened before World War II. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not real. not, sorry, 19. Well, we joined, we, we, we didn't join until 41, which is what I always remember. I can never remember when the European front started, though. Yeah. So, though this is 37. Right. So, yeah, like, it's, like, post-World War II for sure. Mm-hmm. 50s, maybe, is when things really got going, in my mind. And so, you know, to say that you've got this whole era of Snow White, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, Bambi, that all make it into theaters before World War, the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. I think Disney, we remember, when we think of Walt Disney the man... We associate him with the 50s and 60s kind of because he presented himself as this. That's that's when he kind of his face, you know, you see an old like world of Disney right. short or you see Uncle Waltz. It's like he's this old guy walking around showing off some part of Disneyland or something like that. That's kind of the iconography of 
Walt Disney, Disney as a dude. Yeah. But we're talking about a young Steve Jobs kind of, I mean, I'm sorry to have to use that hack cliche to talk about him, but I just think it's the easiest one probably. We're talking about a young, ambitious guy who's on the cusp of all these breakthroughs. And yeah, he's, he's coming up with the Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's he, coming up with with the operating system. He's coming up with the stuff that's going to be the groundwork for the iPhone, mm-hmm. which is what we really want to associate with Steve Jobs, which is more like his crowning achievement, yeah. not his his final little flourish, almost. Yeah, he basically did not, it. Mm. Yeah, but the innovation and the risk and the everything that made him who he is and made him capable of bringing us that iPhone mm-hmm. was all done. 10, 20, 30 years before that. Right. Well, the thing to understand about what Disney's doing here is he's pioneering techniques, technologically and storytelling techniques, that you don't have Star Wars without this. You don't have special effects cinema in general, you know, spectacle cinema in general without this. You certainly don't have computer animation without this. You know, you don't actually have Steve Jobs mm-hmm. and what he contributed to the entertainment industry without this. This is, this is something that's affected your life quite a bit and something that's been, you know, low key important in everybody's lives and it's all happening and it's all exciting. And it's almost a hundred. Well, I mean, it was a hundred years ago to this year that Disney started his first little animation company. Mm -hmm. I believe it was 1920. If not, it was very close to that and started doing all this stuff. I mean, he's working through the roaring twenties into the great depression. And so I don't know. I think it does actually help to place it before the 1950s because you realize, oh, the way that the people thought about sex roles was that much more different. The way that musicals worked, the expectations that people had for stories. He founded his company in 23. In 23. Okay, that makes sense. The Walt Disney Corporation or the, the wa- first company? Uh, the Walt Disney. Whatever it was. Whatever it was at the time, whether it was Walt Disney Pictures or Walt Disney Studios. Yeah, so I think in 1920, he founded something called Fun Grams or some other thing, the precursor, which was just a dippy little animation. So Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio was 1923 to 26. Walt Disney Studio, 26 to 29. Walt Disney Productions, 29 to 86. And then... Okay, I see. So he started a producing very crude cartoons called Laughograms in 1920 for a company called iWorks Disney Commercial Artists, which he founded with a dude named iWorks. So very crude precursor to to anything like what the Walt Disney Corporation became. Yeah, and then after a couple of years, he launched Disney Brothers 1923 after Laughogram went into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So the company he was working for went bankrupt, and so he started his own thing. He's a fascinating guy to read about. I love those. I love the mystery, the eternal mystery of is it inspiration or is it what's the other thing you'd say it was? Perspiration. Yeah, inspiration or perspiration. And I tend to come down on the perspiration side of things, but there has to be some inspiration. And to, so to take this, just this guy, and you can endlessly read about him and try and figure out was he just the right man in the right time or did he make the right time because he was the right man or yeah did he just have some really talented people and he was just an aggressive you know the aggressive of tyrant that leftist <laughs> critique would like to paint everybody from that era as i mean just because henry ford didn't tie a lug nut as as some new yorker article i saw about this said just because henry ford didn't tie a nuglet a nuglet lug, lug nut doesn't mean he didn't invent the automobile like the making he, industry. He's, as he's, the, he's as still is. a pretty important guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Things aren't the same without it. Yeah, exactly. And so did Steve Jobs come up with any of the things? Bill Burr has that famous comedy routine about how, well, Steve Jobs just said, I'd really like this thing. Make it. Well, somebody still had to say to a bunch of really smart people, I'd really like this thing. And so maybe- He had to have the idea. He had to know what it takes to make it. He had to have the right people that could make it. Mm -hmm. The ability- both financially and just in terms of leadership and vision to say it to them in a way that got them to actually do it. You just can't underestimate the power and value of that kind of leadership if that's all it was. If that's all it was, that's a lot. Right. Well, then on top of that, was he just a business and technological innovator? Should we consider Walt Disney to be an artist? You know, that's the other thing that you put in there. Mm -hmm. Was he tapping into his id when he had Snow White run through this forest with all these monsters and if so was he doing it intentionally i mean he managed to somehow tap into the id of generations of children and adults and like he he knew how to get at these primal truths about us but did he do it because of focus groups and study and if so is that different than than how he did it if he just tapped into his own childhood you know people will say his dad was a monster famous thing is that he had the the paper route that he had to do Every morning, twice on Sundays, was never able to go to church, had to trudge through the snow to deliver these papers so that Elias Disney could keep his, his farm going. I don't even remember exactly what the story is, but you know, you have these myths. Oh, boo hoo. You have these myths of pe- people have tried to retroactively make Disney's story into a Disney story. Say, you know, he came from this childhood where he just had to tell stories. Is there a truth to that? Or he came from a childhood where he just really wanted to make money? <laughs> and make cool stuff. <laughs> and what's the difference? If so, I don't have any of the answers to these questions, but I think that they're interesting and it's interesting to learn and talk about people like Walt Disney. It's why people like to learn about good old Steve Jobs. I did pull a quote that I thought was pretty interesting. This is from a letter that Disney sent to his animators, an eight-page memo to the instructor of the animation school who's going to be teaching the animators. Quote, comedy to be appreciated must have contact with the audience. This we all know, but sometimes forget. By contact, I mean that there must be a familiar subconscious association. Somewhere or at some time, the audience has felt or met with or seen or dreamt the situation pictured. A study of the best gags and audience reactions we have had will prove that the action or situation is something based on an imaginative experience or a direct life connection. This is what I mean by contact with the audience. When the action or the business loses the contact, it becomes silly and meaningless to the audience. Therefore, the true interpretation of caricature is the exaggeration of an illusion of the actual, or the sensation of the actual put into action. In our animation, we must not only show the actions or reactions of a character, we must picture also with the actions the feelings of those characters. My experience has shown me that the most hilarious of comedies is always based on things actual, possible, or probable. That idea behind the things I just mentioned above can be incorporated in every stage of instruction, from the life drawing clear on through to the planning and staging of the work. So that's a one paragraph from an eight-page thing where he just analyzes the crap out of what makes a good comedic caricature and what makes one of their gags. I think he's a. I think it says that he's both. Mm-hmm. You have to have some real inspiration to have any kind of insight like that into comedy. You have to be able to. Under, you know, get yourself into that headspace. But he's also not just and like, two. this makes me laugh. It's like, we've done focus groups and they, we found that people responded. Yeah, he's not saying we've done focus groups, but he is saying. Well, he did say something about a study of the best gags and audience reaction we have had. I don't know what that means. Okay. But, well, at the end of the day, it also means I mean, the boy's putting in 
elbow grease Mm -hmm. and he's putting in elbow grease to articulate stuff and to make sure everybody understands like, hey, we know that this is what works and this is how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not like Snow White is just exists in my subconscious it's like let's figure out the maximum i don't maximum. know how it worked it just came out of me and was beautiful no it's like we need this many gags with dwarves to keep kids attention we need it to be scary here here's how it needs to be scary here's how we'll get them here's when the song comes like all that stuff's been yeah but look I, I, there's a way to uh, when we're in a writer's room mm-hmm. and we're composing a script for the vill there's a degree to which we intuit yes hey we need more tension here. Oh, we need more humor there. Oh, we need... But how much of that intuition has been formed by simply knowing the vocabulary of... And the way that... careful thought into... And the careful thought of other people, knowing and studying what they've done. How many books have we read for Mm -hmm. the bookening? How many movies have we watched for Sanity at the Movies? How much before we ever started working on this stuff together, Mm -hmm. did we just work to understand what makes this work? Right? Like, and we talk about it like this for a living. I mean, and we di- we also dissect the frog. Like we say, yeah. well, it, w- it usually works best this way, but then if you do this. But at the end of the day, if we're not laughing in the right. writer's room, it doesn't go in. Right. If we don't think it's funny. If it doesn't feel, t- if we don't feel tension. If we don't feel the tension, then it's not working. Like, and so, so how much of it really does, even if, you know, you've got the, the theory down, mm-hmm. you know, of, you know, a lot of it really does come down to, to feel like you gotta yeah well it's almost a lot of times the way that i think it'll almost work is you need your intuition 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 to tell you which questions to ask and then sometimes coming up with the answers can be very mechanical sure well okay this doesn't work why doesn't it work i know it doesn't work that's the one thing i know i don't know why it doesn't work now let's we and in how many of how many of our writers room discussions have been prompted by I sense that you don't feel like this works the way that I do or the way that I want it to. Yep. And now instead of letting you be nice, I'm going to make you articulate it and we're going to work this out and figure it out. And then we're going to come up with something better. Yep. Like that's what we do. That's what all great writers rooms, I assume do. You have to be honest about where things are not working. And then you have to just think of a bunch of alternative ideas until you find the one that really does one plugs into the slot perfectly. Yeah. And, and, you know, at still, after all of that's said and done, what works for you doesn't always work for everybody else. Yeah. You know? You can't remove intuition. You can't remove inspiration from the process. Yeah. I think people tend to make inspiration into the whole thing. When they picture a Walt oh, yeah, Disney, of course they think, they oh, he just was born with these great ideas and his daddy was mean to him. And so he came to Hollywood and he tapped into his childhood trauma and he made fairy tales for the, you know. And I think Walt Disney would like you to think that that's what Walt Disney did but sure. no he did maybe he did do that but there was a lot of work that went into it most of I mean I don't know how many I, I don't know that I have dug down and you don't even have to dig down deep but you just find almost any artist creator creative type out there that you respect I I don't know that I have found one that's been like actually it's all inspiration and I'm a beautiful butterfly like you know I, almost I think every single one. There are probably one or two liars that we would respect. And I, I mean every word of that sentence. Yeah. There's probably a couple of creative people out there that lie to themselves foremost about it probably and say, oh yeah, it is just inspiration. And then lie to the world about it. And probably one of one or two of them are the people that we like. But I can't think of who they are off yeah. the top of my head. Most anyone that I respect 
would really, say it's just work. It's just work. Yeah. It's, it's work. You get up and then you work. And you put in the you put in lots of work on the days where the inspiration isn't striking. Yeah. So that the inspiration will strike on the day that it strikes. You can't force inspiration, but you keep working even when it's not coming. I guess we should talk about Snow White as a movie, huh? Yeah, we kind of have been. Yeah, we kind of have. I don't think I'm going to take us through this one scene by scene because it's honestly pretty thin. There's, I don't know if there's, yeah, there's, there's a, lot a lot to say about the movie itself. Well, the fence, the, the fence. <laughs> the fence. <laughs> the prince hears a pretty girl singing and he jumps over the wall and shows up and starts singing with her and she runs away. But then she goes up to the tower and then she, you know, and the birds are... Well, why don't we, Jake, since we're famous for our gendered takes on these things, if that's the word I want. What do you think of old uh, Snow White as a, as a heroine? As a heroine? As a heroine. Yeah, as a do drug that you have shoot, to do something your, shoot into your blood. And... Do heroines have to do something heroic? Uh, yeah, like, Much more did you see the mess damsel? in the dwarf's house? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, it was a hero that, I mean, but let's be honest kind of her creature friends did most all the work yeah if you can just as many spoofs have pointed out if you can just whistle and make your creature friends do all that crap then that'd be awesome that would be awesome as long as they didn't leave behind if you could also whistle and they would have no parasites and (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's all i think about is like rabies and (laughs) bacteria and like rabbits are filthy creatures i don't i I know they're adorable but yuck like Oh boy, uh, man, Snow White's pretty obnoxious. I think I'm. I'm sorry. I know we're like the conservative Christian podcast, and we have you know defend the damsel in distress. Hey, I wrote. I've written articles. I, I, I've suffered for the damsel in distress, folks. I believe damsels can be in distress in stories, but man, Snow White's kind of simpering and <laughs> obnoxious. Oh, oh, oh. are you hurt, little blue bluebird? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, lady, I will eat your apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come on. A little agency. A little, uh, oh, I don't know. A little something. Interest. A little interest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a, a character. I guess you could argue that, especially in this very first movie, it's, it's I, I, in Disney's defense, it's not intended to be psychological. It's not intended to be three-dimensional. He never meant for that. Like, they knew how to make movies about women that were interesting women back then. Disney just had zero interest in doing that. He didn't make the prince interesting either. Right. For that matter. They really are just the catalysts to get the story going so we can have lots of All cute the color animals. comes from the dwarves yeah. and the cute animals and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the villain. I think everybody yeah. loves a good villain and this movie's Magic mirror on the wall. My favorite moment with her is where is it where Snow White meets the prince and then we pan over and the queen's just staring out of the, <laughs> I think it's because they wanted to save on animation, but the, she's just blankly staring out the window. Yes, yeah. And then we cut to the close up and she slams the curtains shut. Yeah. She's so mad that any prince would think that Snow White was prettier than at, her. At all prettier than her. Yeah. I don't know. They don't even bother really making the relationships. It's like Snow White's in the courtyard. The huntsman refers to her as the princess. Right. Like who is, is there a king in this kingdom? Yeah. Like, is she the queen's daughter? It would seem like it, but also that's pretty well, they say weird step- that you wouldn't mother. like do anything. Did they say stepmother? In the, when the book opens up at the beginning, oh, I just it? happened to notice that. Yeah, it says, oh, yeah, I might not have been the evil queen. Her stepmother. Oh, I guess I wasn't paying as close. Attention Jake, you weren't to the paying show, as yeah. well. My bad. I I really don't blame you because this movie, it's a fun artifact, but it's it, it's not exactly a edge of your seat thriller by modern standards. 
Yeah, this kingdom does feel weirdly depopulated. <laughs> Maybe a big plague just went through. Yeah, no kidding. It's just the Freudian psychodrama between the queen, the huntsman, and... It's like literally three human beings. Three human beings. And seven dwarves that live in the middle of the woods. Do we see anybody else? I'm trying to think. Do the dwarves interact? No? No. I guess there's that corpse in the when the queen goes down to... To the dungeon? To her evil lair, there's like a... There's a skeleton... So at least one person got locked up and wasted away in the queen's dungeon. I guess the mirror probably counts. Yeah, that's that's it. It's a really simple story. Yep. No Nothing way. wrong with simple stories. No. I mean, I suppose some of our, I don't even really feel like making this point because I feel like most people know this about Disney movies and nobody's like really tempted by this. But when I was a kid, my parents would sit me down and say, now you realize that you don't always get what your heart desires, even though disney movies tell you do they do and also it's a little bit more complicated falling in love than you see somebody <laughs> <laughs> and also don't take apples from strangers yeah, don't especially take, at halloween right because you don't know what old hag is gonna poison that apple right but it was red and delicious <laughs> she really wanted to eat it and it's gonna make her beautiful like the old hag yeah <laughs> <laughs> you make a fair point devil <laughs> Uh, who wouldn't trust the old hag? I mean, I don't know. So and the queen doesn't really get. Are you about to argue she's not a great villain? Well, she doesn't get the characterization of like a. How does she die? She falls off the cliff. Oh, I always thought that was cool as a kid. She falls off the cliff. She gets hit by lightning, falls off a cliff, and then a giant boulder rolls down. Falls, like, <laughs> falls on top of nice, it. Nice trifecta of punishment there. Yeah, but uh, it's not as cool as. I feel like it. It's. it's Okay, it's cathartic because some bad things happen to her, but it's like she's not even unveiled right. as the queen. Like, there's no standoff. There's no heroic. Like, we have to take out the queen. It's like, oh. You're right. The dwarves should have done what they were trying to do and grabbed her and beaten her to death <laughs> with cudgels. <laughs> that would have been better in my opinion. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I don't know. I just like to think, what would have happened if the dwarves had caught up with this? evil old woman i guess they were gonna beat her to death. <laughs> what should have happened is the prince should have showed up yeah it's pretty lame this this is one of the more i mean this is what sleeping beauty gets right this prince like, is kind of a zero sleeping beauty kind of improves on every aspect of this thing yeah except in the comedy supporting character department you don't like the fairy godmothers they're fine I, maybe i'll like them i don't really remember them they are well. they are the old lady equivalent of the dwarves right i may like them a make lot it pink make it blue it's hilarious. I don't, or I just don't remember them that well. So you know, I'll I'll never forget. They're like the Golden Girls, sleepy and dopey. <laughs> yeah, they're just like the Golden Girls. <laughs> okay, you convinced me. <laughs> they're great, hilarious. <laughs> Based on the best Blanche. sitcom of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just as exciting, and scintillating, yeah. and cutting edges of the Betty Golden White, Girls. Baby, yeah, wedding white baby. So even the Queen, because you, you know, you, I think everybody would be on board with Snow White and the Prince. Aren't that interesting? But you're arguing even the queen is kind of a zero in the villain department. She's pretty great, I guess. I, I think, just think once that... she turns into an old lady, she's pretty great because she's cackling and she's having fun yeah. in the tradition of the best, like we always yeah. talk about with Palpatine. Once yeah. she kind of turns in, have a bite with the yeah. crow, raven, all that stuff. That's good stuff. But yeah. the old lady is a pretty good villain, I'd say. The austere queen, queen. is not that interesting. She just doesn't measure up to Maleficent. Who does? Fair point. Uh, you know, you've got to 
argue types when it comes to Maleficent. I think Maleficent is the top of a certain type of Disney villain and unrivaled. Well, and you have to bring in, you have to argue for a different type. Are we sticking to females? No, no, I'm just saying Maleficent represents this sort of old school, pure evil force of force of nature kind of villain. Whereas like a scar or a Jafar represent a little bit more, complex of, of a villain well scar is definitely pretty complex and gaston but, yeah gaston's complex i'd say those are maybe two of the best the villains. Pocahontas villains oh governor radford or whatever yeah. <laughs> that great <laughs> <laughs> disney villain uh boy ursula ursula is interesting because she's, ursula is an interesting villain yeah she'll be fun to talk about because she's i don't know lesbian coded yeah <laughs> yes jake <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> I mean, she's like a camp queen. She's like, yeah, she's this is back when we could be lesbian coded back when lesbian coded. Well, yeah, she's more like drag over queen, the top villain. drag queen coded. Yeah, you could you could is. you could literally have a man play the part in the live action thing. Yeah. And they probably thought of it. I'm sure I, they I know did. that they cast what's your face as it. But yes, but they definitely in the discussion thought about casting somebody to play her as a drag queen. Right. Oh, sure. Why wouldn't you? I mean, I, I, I can almost, I almost wouldn't have a problem with it, but she's kind of an interesting cause she starts out as a camp camp kind of queen with that. What's the word cabaret number yeah. that she has. And it's Don't real... underestimate the importance of body language. Yeah. You'll have your voice. <laughs> your pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> Don't underestimate the importance of body, body language. language. Yeah. <laughs> the anim- the animators definitely didn't did not <laughs> underestimate that in that animation. The men up there don't like a lot of blather. <laughs> they think a girl that gossips is a bore. <laughs> oh man, that's going to be a fascinating movie to watch. My my contention, and I think I may have said this behind the paywall, is that that movie, I think, if it's what I remember, really felt progressive at the time and probably doesn't stand up to any kind of standards of progressivity well she's insanely immodest and they would not they would not go for that yeah they actually probably wouldn't it'll be interesting to see how they handle that in the live action thing yeah because they sure. probably don't want to have a teenager be in her bra for the Entire, whole movie yeah so i'll have to come up with something she's insanely immodest she falls in love with the prince without any psychological understanding it's basically the snow white formula just this guy's cool he's handsome and he plays a flute and dances yep and he falls in love with my voice he likes a dog and then i'm gonna try and get him with my figure and nothing else and it's almost gonna work he's almost gonna kiss me yep and then i'm gonna get married and live happily ever after which isn't something that yeah i know how to sign my name but i don't know how to write yeah that bugs me in all those kinds of stories. <laughs> Even Shakespeare fell for that. With Titus Andronicus, the girl can't write down who her rapists are because they cut out her tongue. It's like, just, um, you can figure it out. Yeah, sure. she's got pretty handwriting. She does. Ariel does, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least when it comes to signing her name, but apparently that's all she's ever been taught to write. Yep. Maybe, well. Triton doesn't even have to write. He just sort of points his trident and his name. Maybe they don't teach women to write. Because you have to go up uh, above the ocean to get bright young women sick of stem, swimming, swimming, ready to stand, ready to stand, ready to write. Maybe it could have been ready to know all the people know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to ask them, them get, get her, yeah, and get her her answers. What's a fire? And why does it? What's the word? Burn. When's it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my favorite when they combine the sing, the spoken 
with the set. You, you know, <laughs> the sing speak okay? stuff. I don't know how, the... when we go from sing speak into four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. What's a fire and why does it? What's the word? Burn. <laughs> Winds in my <laughs> turn. <laughs> oh man, that one must might have the my favorite score. I love under that the score. sea, baby. Yeah, it's under the sea is great. Part of your world is the best. What I want song of any Disney movie. Ursula's number. Ursula's number. One of the best villain numbers. Pretty great. I mean, Jafar doesn't have a number for some reason. He, he does. does. He does. He's, it's just a, re- a riff. On... It's a reprise or whatever. Yeah. But but he gets to end that song with a, an amazing cackle. Yeah, he does. The <laughs> Prince Ali. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> good know, stuff. Just like you can't even reproduce that. You got to be that actor to pull that off. But Jafar deserved his own song. I think that's one thing the remake could have remedied, but they ruined Jafar. So how could they? I like their Jafar. <sighs> he's a he's a He's an interesting idea. I like him theoretically, but are we going to get to talk about? Yeah, Aladdin. Jasmine's a Disney princess, yep. so and I don't think we can talk about the old Jasmine without talking about the update. So we'll have to. I'll have to watch that new Aladdin again. What's on Disney Plus now? Yeah, I know, but Disney minus my interest. I like it. Well, Jake, and I think you're wrong. It's nostalgia clouding the issue. It's a not a movie that you'd like if you didn't see the old one. But on the other hand, to argue against myself, you have seen the old one, and they knew that. Uh, I think my kids might even argue with you on that. Oh, well, what do kids know about Disney movies? They know what they like. What do, in, what do, what do, what do intuitive beings both. of childlike wonder know about any of this stuff? Probably nothing. Yeah, probably nothing. They need to they grow need to into grow cynical 30-something 30, 30 with no kids yeah. in order to really have an opinion Yeah, that's yeah. on this stuff. <sighs> Folks, making a lot of fun of me right now, but... I think it's a little cheap, don't you? How Jake's playing the kid card. <laughs> so nothing that I say matters because Jake's got kids. Don't you think? You you be the... Di- yeah. We'll have this discussion more when we get to Aladdin, but... I think we shall. You just keep thinking about that, folks. Does integrity <laughs> and vision and understanding, is that what's, what matters most? Or is like wonder? You got it. Um, gosh, okay. Is there anything else we want to say about Snow White, the prince... Or the queen? No. I don't think there's much to say. I don't think there is either. I don't think damsels in distress have to be so insipid, folks. I don't know if we want to talk about this yet, but where on the spectrum, who is the best Disney princess? And where, I want to argue, not Emma Watson, but I think the original Belle is a nice mix of, you'd actually want to marry that girl. She's strong in a feminine kind of way. Yeah, she's a little diffident to the dumb peasants that she's surrounded by the plebes but diffident she's like there goes the baker with his tray like always same old bread and rolls to sell rolls to sell every morning just the same since the morning that they came to this poor provincial this town poor provincial town it's like she's looking down her nose at absolutely yeah but then everybody. the guy says good morning bell and she doesn't and say he's, he's so cheerful yeah so she's she's fake she's two-faced yeah the very poser that is <laughs> is gonna <laughs> grab a torch and try and destroy these villagers are idiots. Idiots, yeah. They deserve yeah. her dis- her, her, her disdain. Yeah. Her cheerful I hate you buying my false smile disdain. She likes the bookseller guy. I guess she does. He gives her free books. Yeah. He probably thinks she's hot. I bet he does. Yeah. I mean that whole song is like We all everybody's she's a strange, but hey, she's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's pretty weird. She doesn't fit in, but hey, you know, she's yeah. kinda cute. Nobody's like, interested in those weird triplets. <laughs> That fawn over Gaston. Yeah. I mean, to it's be. It's not like they're not conventionally pretty. They seem nice enough to me. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about it. Snow White, 
kind of insipid. In, yeah. in the same way that Grimm's fairy tale. Yeah, I get it. I get it. There's nothing really insipid about Grimm's fairy tale. Grimm's fairy tale, we're not going to stop to like help a robin find his home. Exactly. We're not going to sing a song into a well about how we hope a man comes along. I don't know. Someday my prince will come. Some. I do like when the prince shows up and he's ready to just belt (laughs) out, now that I've found you. (laughs) (laughs) She wigs out. (laughs) That's that's quite a good entrance. (laughs) If you're a man, you could do worse than interrupting a woman midway through ha- through the song and asserting that you are what she dreams of. <laughs> you just need to do what the prince you need to stalk a woman, figure out when she's Spider expressing her, her deepest the- dreams and hopes, and then pop in and say, hey baby, hey, baby. it's me. I'm everything that you hoped and dreamed for. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now that I've found you, hear what I have to say. And then it works. <laughs> I guess she runs. She she runs blushingly up into the. She's got to pretend to resist. Yeah, that's you know women. That's how they are. Um, <sighs> me and Jake were making faces at each other to show the irony of the statements that we just made, folks. <laughs> lest you <laughs> thought <that> we were <laughs> sincerely making a comment on the sexes there. So Snow White flees the huntsman into the woods. We have that great sequence. Which, by the way, if you want to understand all the technical innovations, that's something called multiplane camera. I referred to it earlier, where we just have all these different layers of animation and like the branches are reaching out and there's stuff in front of her and it's all going by the camera at different speeds, approximating what it would look like if we were in a dense woods with different levels of vision. And that whole sequence is just like people had never seen anything like that. It's really cool. And just the expressionism of what you can do with, you know, we don't have to make trees that remind you of scary faces. We can just have the trees be scary faces, be scary faces. A lot of people, a lot of the more artsy kind of people of the time defended Disney. You know, there was like the middle class people who were a little scared of even then of his commercialism, of his vulgarity, of his Mm -hmm. cheap comedy, of all this, the kinds of things that we are scared of Disney for now. But, but like the Charlie Chaplin. The Char- the- yeah, Charlie Chaplin was a good personal friend of Disney. What's that name? The guy's name. Eisenstein, the great Soviet filmmaker who invented a little thing called montage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the great Soviet propagandist loved Disney. Just thought that, I mean, he thought all this, he thought like Disney was going to help the proletariat rise up or something because. Oh, well, yes, ultimately. Which he <laughs> took a little, it took a little while, but <laughs> he's working on it. I think what he saw, I think what he said, if I remember correctly, is Disney's showing us how even though the important people go up about their lives and stuff, all the life and interest is in the margins. Like he he identified with the little woodland creatures and the dwarves and like, like this is where the this is where the interest is. This is where the color is. Yeah. Nobody cares about the Snow prince and White. Snow White. Nobody cares about any of that. Yeah. It all exists to help this whole other world go for. I think as a Soviet, he saw that as really good propaganda. So it's funny. Make of that what you will. So she runs through the woods, scary stuff. She ends up this cottage and she decides cottage. to just go in and start cleaning it. Cause... Well, she's a woman, Jake. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> she's got time on her hands. And she starts making dinner while she's at it. And she she might as well because there's children there. There's children and obviously they need a mother. And obviously. Because they... if they had one. It would not be this dirty. That's right. Uh, even as conservative Christians, it is easy to make fun of the sex politics of this movie. 
because it is quite different than our modern era and it is kind of funny. Like I said, this movie is almost 100 years. We will live to see this movie, Lord willing, be 100 years old. Lord willing, we will live. The movie will definitely become 100 years old. Should the sun not turn into a blue dwarf or what is it? Red giant. Red giant. Yeah. Um, Jesus return, which would be more likely. Yes, exactly. So then you have all the woodland creatures. What do you think about the woodland creatures, Jake? They've been so thoroughly parodied by everybody at this point. Are they stupid and insipid? And I I think that they, I think it was probably a pretty novel, fun idea and got across the idea that this is a very special person. And Mm -hmm. also I think probably got a lot of laughs out of my kids. Well, I mean, it occurred to me, we're, we still do the same thing. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is what occurred to me. Like, filmmakers are still figuring out ways of, let's just put something cute in there here. Like, yeah. this'll, that'll get people. And people still fall for it. It's not like we're more sophisticated than right, the dumb exactly. rubes that liked the bunny rabbits back then. No, they had their see, version of it. Baby Yoda is a great example of that same kind of thing. Oh, we don't have to have an actor. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have what we need is a really cute space baby. Yeah. If we had a cute space baby that we could puppeteer, wouldn't that be cool? And wouldn't that just like save the day? Stroke of genius. Yeah, really is. Yeah. I mean, I love that meme. I mean, it's kind of stupid and run into the ground, but you know, that meme of what Disney thought women wanted. And then you've got Ray you've and got Hollow. you got Ray looking all fierce yeah. and stuff like that. And then you've got what women actually want. Space it's baby. baby. Yay. Yeah. Well, I... It's true. it's true. It works. It works. My wife could care less about Star Wars, but we watched The Mandalorian and she was, she didn't even really care too much about The Mandalorian as a show, but when they punched Baby Yoda, she yelled at the TV. Oh, my wife did exactly the same thing. And when I do my impression of it, my impression is of a woman on her phone typing away and then looking up and going, hey, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, Pretty much the same thing. It was just like this, like offended. Hey, you don't. Hey, you don't punch a baby. Hey. Yeah. No. I mean, it was. <laughs> I don't think she said anything more than "hey," but like it yeah. was just like you don't do that. Whoa! It's like we're almost mad at the filmmakers here. Yeah. Like, like how how dare you cross that line? With- yeah. And then you have this like realization that you have allowed them to convince you that that puppet is a real thing. Yeah. Somebody hit a piece of latex <laughs> in a bag. <laughs> 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 you feel angry yeah you feel really bad <laughs> you want revenge you're very happy when ig ig 11 uh, shows IG, up and blows everybody to blows bits. everybody bits yeah i mean ig 11 my wife is i think actively she feels about like mando does about droids but ig 11 became her hero, hero when, yeah. when once he was a nurse droid and he was gonna take care of baby yoda and blow everybody away it was good stuff so hey folks it still works you're not smarter than Everybody was in 1937. You just have different entertainment tastes, and but you, but they can get to you exactly the same same thing, same techniques, just slightly different. It's got to look better now because you know what? Because Disney made this movie to begin with, right? And everyone's made fun of the little bunnies and stuff. So now we have to do something else. But Disney will continue having cute characters of some type. But they still they'll do. just make a snowman instead. Yeah. Well, the thing that drives me nuts is the prince is going to have a, a, an elk. And we're going to have some kind of meta thing where the elk doesn't talk, you know, in Frozen. And, you know, we're going to do all those tropes to a T, but we're going to be a little sarcastic about them just to show, like, we we know, we get it. It's stupid, but you like it. 
It's like, no. I mean, a little bit of that, fine, but you should you should just own it, I think. Your business is to make cute stuff to sell toys. Disney Corporation just doesn't do it. You don't have to. There's other ways. Just do a good job, and I, as an adult, will be okay with it. You don't have to approach it with irony in order for me as an adult to like it. There's other ways to get me. And I think farmers among them, talent. Just just yeah. make it good. So they clean the house, and then we cut to the dwarves. They're doing their hilarious stuff. I don't know. What do you What do you want to say about the dwarves? I guess a lot of Disney's genius went into these dwarves. I can say that he. I, I was reading had like 150 dwarf names. Baldy was one of them, hmm. but just like different adjectives that we could make dwarves out of, and they eliminated them and honed it down to the seven that he thought would be the epitome of. Interesting that he went with Doc. Yeah, I don't know. I, I always liked Doc, though. Doc yeah, was my favorite as a kid. Don't not like Doc. It's like the three most memorable ones are Doc, Grumpy, and Dopey, and then maybe Sneezy, because he sneezes. Yeah. But it's like, do you remember Happy? Could you pick Happy out of a crowd? He says, hi, hey, ma'am. I'm happy, ma'am. Like that? No. I mean, Happy would have a big smile on his face, so I guess I could, but... Okay. I, Sleepy? I tried to name them not too long ago, and I think I can do it now. Let's see. Uh, Doc, Happy, Bashville, Sleepy... Grumpy. You got them all because I've said the rest. Yeah, of them. exactly. Dopey. Who am I leaving Sneezy. off? Sneezy. Sneezy. But I couldn't name them six months ago before we'd before we'd reconnected with this material. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to. Pull Bashful's Bashful. pretty distinctive. He turns red. Yeah, in the same way that Sneezy or Sleepy's distinctive. Right. Sleepy falls asleep. Bashful bat is gets all bashful and embarrassed. Yeah. Except for Bashful doesn't always turn red in every circumstance. Like if they're just. Hunting down an evil queen, say Sneezy's not Sneezy, Happy's not yeah. smiling. The duck's got his glasses and Dopey's got his ears. Right. And Grumpy's got his scowl. I remember, as I said earlier, Dopey and Grumpy were my dwarves as a kid. I thought they were. But I thought you just said that Doc was your favorite. And Doc. Those would, those would be the three. You got me. You uh, you held my feet to the fire on this, Jake. <laughs> journalism at its fi- finest. Yeah, no. Doc was great. I mean, I don't think I would have said that Dopey was my favorite, but I sure do remember laughing at his antics. Yeah, you. I don't think Dopey was too dopey to be your favorite, right? Right, exactly. Except when it came to it. Like, Doc would actually be, like, if I was, if I had to be a dwarf, I'd want to be Doc or Grumpy, I think. Yeah, for sure. Those are, like, the coolest. But if there was one dwarf that you wouldn't want to see erased from that movie. You couldn't do without Dopey. You couldn't do without Dopey. Yeah, he's funny. Man, this movie does f- spend a long time washing up and... Yep. Trying to clean up Grumpy. Yep. Give him a bath. Yep. They all do their their whistling. Hi-ho. I guess this is a good time to read the C.S. Lewis letter because he, he, he and Tolkien both had a lot of respect for the mythological creature that is called a dwarf. You can see it in... Well, especially in Tolkien's work, like he gave the dwarves a lot of dignity that dignity that even Peter, well, even Peter Jackson, as if Peter Jackson was great in all of the respects, <laughs> but even that great artist who captured so much of everything perfectly, Peter Jackson couldn't get the dwarves quite right. But this is a quote from C.S. Lewis in a letter to a guy named Hamilton, quote, leaving out the tiresome question of whether it is suitable for children, which I don't know and don't care. I thought it almost inconceivably good and bad. I mean, I didn't know one human being could be so good and bad. He's talking about Disney there. The worst thing of all was the vulgarity of the winking dove at the beginning. I guess there's a winking dove. I don't even remember that. But okay. That really offended C.S. Lewis. The vulgarity, Jake. 
of the Winking Dove, and next worse, the faces of the dwarves. Dwarves ought to be ugly, of course, but not in that way. And the dwarves' jazz party <laughs> was pretty bad. George dwarves' jazz party was pretty bad, wasn't it? I suppose it never occurred to the poor boob that you could give them any other kind of music, but all the terrifying bits were good, and the animals really most moving, and the use of shadows was real genius. What might not have come of it if this man had been educated or even brought up in a decent society? <laughs> if he'd only been British, maybe. Right. The vulgar Americans <laughs> took his precious fairy tale. And I'm taking it. umbrage with that. <laughs> yeah. Out of sheer patriotism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if Disney wins, baby. If Disney had been brought up in a decent society, then we wouldn't have had the vulgarity. Guess who owns Narnia now? Disney. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And Narnia's a lot more vulgar and stupid (laughs) than it used to be, to be fair to C.S. Lewis. Also, also true. (laughs) Oh, brother. I don't know. It's just funny to think that there were snobs back then that were like, oh, he ruined fairy tales. I mean, now when we think fairy tale, like Disney so thoroughly won that debate that it, when you think dwarves, you think his dwarves. When you think fairy tales, you think his fairy tales. And yeah. you kind of think of the old movies. You're Dis- surprised by what the fairy tales were actually like because yeah. Disney is the one who taught you what they were. Right. He sanitized them completely. I mean, everybody likes to quote the nasty, like, this is what really happened in Grimm's fairy tales. The sister has had their eyes. Rumpelstiltskin ripped himself in half. Right. Sleeping Beauty was raped, and then the baby sucked the needle out of her finger. And Okay, yeah, lots of old medieval texts are creepy and weird. Good point. I wonder why Disney didn't want to include <laughs> some of that stuff. I can't imagine. I'm sure people really would have liked to see the, the old queen be forced by the king's torturers into iron hot shoes mm-hmm. so that she could dance herself to death that would have gone over well I mean, when you think about it from that perspective it's like getting hit by lightning and falling off a cliff and having a boulder roll down on you is pretty good like came as close as he could gave, yeah. her, gave her as much of a definitive witch death as you'd want the dwarf stuff's pretty watching it with your kids i was like this is kind of it's interesting as an artifact but this is where it really slogs the middle section yeah. where they're they're singing their their jazz song, as C.S. Lewis called it. Then the old witch gets her apple, and that part's pretty cool. Yep. And then you have the final chase, and I don't know. Stop me if you have anything no. to note to say about this stuff. It's all pretty rudimentary, and yep. it is what it is. That evil queen, she miscalculated. She thought that they would bury her alive, but instead they put her in a glass coffin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a, I guess it's one of the things that, one of those weird And she never to- really counted on her true love showing up and uh, lifting the lid of the glass coffin and kissing the apparent corpse. Yeah, I'm pretty weird. It's, it's interesting that the dwarves don't grab their cudgels and try to chase the, the prince up the mountain. When For trying to do that. Yeah. Oh, a strange man showed up and... He's gonna... Kiss her? He's gonna kiss, kiss her. Kiss the corpse. That's pretty gross and bad and we should do something about that. I wonder... Did other guys who weren't her true love <laughs> ride up <laughs> and want to do the same thing? And the what dwarves were cool with it. <laughs> what would have happened? That would have been a very awkward moment if the prince kissed her and then stood back and like, okay, let's just uh, well, pl- let's close this lid. I'll up be on my way now. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I was going to say a minute ago is it is one of those things when you literalize a fairy tale when you bring it to life. 
you suddenly have to start reckoning with things like that. And Disney does a good job of splitting the difference and getting making you not think of those things. But yeah. it's one of the weird, I think, problems with the Beauty and the Beast remake is that they really go out of their way to try and explain, like, why are the teapot people, the household objects, like, why are they staying with the Beast? Are they under the curtain? Yes, they are. And actually, they were complicit in the Beast being bad. So they feel like they have to stay and sort like... They, yeah. they try to explain all those things. And it's like, guys, it's a fairy tale. We don't need to understand how the logic of Mrs. Potts' log- loyalty to the beast yeah. works. <sighs> I don't know, Jake. How many... We need a Disney... You know what? Let's do dwarves. How many dwarves out of seven <laughs> do you give Snow White and the seven dwarves? You can rate it as an artifact. You can rate it as a modern piece of entertainment for yourself, for your kids. You can... the, the I'm, is, I'm giving it seven out of seven it kick-started everything that we know and love about disney and without this tremendous risk that ended up being a success uh, we don't have i mean this is so much that we don't have i'm gonna do the same thing seven dwarves out of seven i mean this movie yeah it's not really that entertaining if i'm being honest but it still works for kids it still works for kids it doesn't hold up for adults in the same way but it still works for kids and it's you know, man, he's he's doing so many new things. Like, yeah, I mean, we're we're looking at the bicycle. We're looking at the first iPhone here. We're looking. How, at, how do you rate the Wright brothers' first flying machine? Well, you know, there's you no peanuts. You can't go very far, yeah. and you don't. It, it's kind of like the groundbreaking. It's thing. a flying machine. The first flying machine. It's a. It's it. It, it could fly. Yeah, people could fly on it. Yep, pretty cool. That's amazing. Kind of the same. Yeah, this is kind of not the same because airplanes versus movies, but also kind of the same. Well, I mean, I guess by you can't take that logic too far, I suppose, because it could be like, oh, you're making fun of The Last Jedi. You're making fun of moving images flickering across the screen, Jake, while you sit and eat popcorn in a theater powered by the magic of electricity. Is that what you're making fun of? Stories being thrown onto a cave wall through technological advantage? You know, you can take the logic pretty far. Yeah. But I do sometimes think of that, like uh, when people complain about airplane food or, you know, and stuff like that. It's like, well, you're on a magical flying device. It's (laughs) taking you to see your relative. It's hurtling you you thousands of feet in the air at thousands of miles an hour, however fast you're going. Yeah. Not thousands of miles, hundreds of miles an hour. Like those relatives that you're going to see, you could have gotten in your wagon and never seen them again. (laughs) But instead we have these things called airplanes. I I have no idea how many miles they go. They go many miles. Many miles per hour? You heard it here, folks. Sanity at the movie. Airplanes. You don't know how many miles they go, and I just wanted to say many miles. Oh, yeah. Per hour. How fast does a commercial plane fly? 500 knots. 500 knots. So between 460 and 575 miles per hour. Speed can get a bit confusing talking about an object moving through the air. That makes sense because the distance you are from the earth and the, like, it's like the weird, the weirdness of why you fly over Alaska when you take a, or whatever it is, when you take a direct flight somewhere, it's actually curved because of the curvature of the the earth. The curvature of the earth. I'm just writing down that we both gave this movie seven dwarves out of seven. It's handy to have those things for reference, I think. Do you like the songs? I should, I should ask about. Music is such a big part of Disney. What did you think about the songs in this one? Did you know them? I didn't. When you rewatched it, did you no. know them all or remember them all? No. Yeah, they're kind of kind of generic. Yeah, there's... Very next Disney movie, Pinocchio, has 
I songs got that no live strings on. Yep. to hold me down. Old, what's his face? Iron person guy said. When you wish upon a star. It's the classic Disney jingle. The song, the, the jingle that they still play when mm-hmm. a new Disney movie. Uh, it still evokes the magic. Yep. We're going to put together a Disney World ad. We're going to play a little bit of that music maybe. Yep. <sighs> Not so much this one. Although I do enjoy the corniness of Whistle While You Work. I will sometimes oh, sarcastically yeah, that sing that one when I'm having to do some kind of manual labor or something like that. And the Prince and Snow White song is kind of cute in a very corny way. But nothing all that special. All right. Any final words for all the Disney heads out there? Don't eat apples from strange hags. Don't eat apples from strange hags, folks. Only hags that you know. Uh, Sanity at the Movies written... I wasn't really written. Sanity at the Movies produced by me, executive produced by Jake and me. Until next time. Who's buttering like a spoodle dug? Who is buttering like a spoodle dug? <laughs> Doc, he gets all twisted up in words. Oh. <laughs> I just, I couldn't think of a single thing, and so I, I, I searched, <laughs> and that was one, one that came up. It's like, and then he will carry away me to carry me away to his castle, where we'll live hap- where we will live happily ever after. Pleasant dreams. How do you do? These are the quotes. The great quotes. Oh, go on, have a bite. I forgot. I'm just gonna let it play through this, so I can say, we dig, 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 and hi ho. Those actually are classic songs, and I love both those songs. Those songs are awesome. Hi ho, hi ho, it's home to work where you go. It's a pretty sweet song and a classic. Hi ho, hi ho. And also, we dig, dig, dig. They dig, dig, dig in a mine. And I, I like that there are multiple instances in this movie, not just one, where people echo and then the echo harmonizes with them or sings back. So there you go, folks. I'm glad I caught it. Goodbye. You want to give us one more Snow White line, Jake? Hi ho. Hi ho.